It's that time of the day where we do like to talk about our favourite pets and, of course, we open the phone lines for your questions, 49216216. Welcome, David Tabret and Cheryl Shaw. Lovely to to be here. Good to see you, Sarah. A lot of us grow up, Cheryl, wanting to be a vet, just like David. Yes. I was one of them. I got as far as shoveling (laughs) elephant poo at Taronga Zoo in year 10. I've never done that. Well. You missed out, David. I've never done that. Clearly, I've got more expertise in that field than you then, David. If required. Uh, But look, Mm -hmm. Cheryl, um, there's now a course that that kids can do. It's a camp. And for future children that are aspiring to be vets, they can go off and have a a week's camp in the January holidays. And a big hello to Heath in Ellamore Vale. You've got a question about weed and seed for Dr. David Tabret. Yeah, I sure do. I uh, I want to I want to uh, spray that on my uh, backyard, but I, I'm just a little concerned and hesitant in case uh, my dogs that walk it in then get sick from cleaning their feet because they lick their feet to clean them. Um, so is oh, I'm back on. So is that the weed and feed one, the spray? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was going to use, but then I held off because I thought, well, what if it makes the dogs sick? Um, well, it's a really good question, and a lot of the products that we might use around the house, inside and out, for kind of whether it's pesticides or herbicides, we we do need to find out, you know, what are the um, the risks associated with them, and the by law, these products are all required to have information about that either on the container or okay. um, you can be directed to a website where you will get specific information. Um, about the product now with regards to um, some of the products that we use and that's you know that's one example there's plenty of others Um, there is a difference between herbicides which are designed for um, uh, um, killing off weeds and then pesticides Um, and so you just the the difference is that with pesticides you're probably going to find more risk although the risk is pretty low So if it's for killing off aphids and things like that around, you might find that that's actually you're going to need to take more care. For dogs, generally, most products are very safe. Um, It's hard without really looking into each specific one. So the... uh, in this current weather, though, a lot of them say, you know, don't apply it when it's about to rain because it just gets washed away. Um, but it is a good idea to maybe give them a 12-hour break before the animal's exposed to the yard because, you know, then the um, chemicals are being absorbed by the plants and not being there for your pet. By and large, I'd say it's pretty safe, but you do need to investigate each one. Cats is a slightly different story. Um, cats tend to groom a bit more so um, if they're out and they get it on them they do ingest more the other thing is that cats metabolism is more they're more sensitive to some of these effects so again there's that species difference but it really comes down to whichever one most products generally safe but check the uh, manufacturer's instructions thanks for your question Mm. heath 49216216 is an um our number today. Now, Anne in Curry, uh, quite a common one. Your Maltese Terrier is suffering from ear infections. Maltese itchu. Oh, right. So what's been going on, Anne? We had a few months ago, we took her to the vets with her left ear infection. Mm-hmm. And then in the last two weeks or week and a half, we've had her back with the right ear. 
is there anything that we can do? Is that just a multi-situ trade? Or is there anything we can do to stop it? Because every time we take it to the vet, you've got to take it twice, once to get drops and once to get it checked. Mm. It's costing money all the time. Is there any prevention or not? Um, this is a topic which uh, we could probably spend about three hours on. So right. we'll, we'll, I'll try and summarise it down to one minute for you. Um, anytime we see an ear infection, um, it's there because there's a trigger factor and it could be moisture, it could be irritated skin, whatever. There's also predisposing factors. So sometimes that's the anatomy. It could be that dogs with floppy ears have more problems than dogs with upright ears. Dogs with uh, hair in the ear canals seem to have more problems than dogs without hair in the ear canal, although... In the ear, you know, the hair that gets inside the ear hole. Yes. Well, yeah, and how can you get rid of that? Well, that's the problem. Removing the hair doesn't always fix the problem. The other, okay. The other thing is um, dogs with allergies, and this is the number one thing that we see. Dogs with allergies uh, will often show up with ear problems as the first problem where it shows up. What sort of allergies? Um, most of the time it'll be pollens, grasses, and actually it's never one thing. It's always multiple of things. It's always, you know, they're allergic to five different trees and four oh, different okay. grasses. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you mean now. She's an inside dog permanently, yes. only when she goes for a walk or goes to the toilet. Yeah, and, and even inside the house, we do see a lot of dogs that are allergic to house dust mite, and obviously if they go outside to toilet, which... 99.9% of them do, um, then they're still going to get exposed because it's not just things that get on their skin, it's things that they breathe in as well. So oh, okay. It's really hard to treat because, you know, unless you live in a bubble, um, you're going to be exposed to it all the time. Now, the problem is that, having said that, if it shows up in the ear, you can actually ask your vet about a preventative program, but you can't start the preventative until they get rid of the infection. Okay, I'm just writing this down. Uh, sure. And, and I, th I think also we're recording for our podcast as well. So Yeah, absolutely. You can always listen back if you need something online to anurfm.com. So what we, what we want to do is get the um, infection under control. And with regards to revisits, I understand that, you know, seems like excessive. And so my actual treatment program for dogs with ear problems is we have three visits minimum because this is what happens it keeps coming back it keeps coming back and we really want to get rid of it for good we get three treatments in uh three visits so that we know we've got control of it and then we have to look at the allergy so you, right we'll see it was in a lefty now it's in a right which makes me wonder that it is an allergy related thing it also the breed is suggestive i was going to say that, so. maltese are quite susceptible to, to allergies aren't they David? yeah they seem they to be are. And, yeah. and this is the time of year and my vet told me because gizmo had the same thing and um he sort of said, look, use all of the droppers. It'll look like it's cleared up, but it's so deep that use it until it's, you know, all gone. Just yeah. keep going. And so you've got to yeah, be vigilant. Yeah, particularly if it's because of these pre-existing factors, you know, then if we're not correcting that, if we're not correcting the allergy, then it's just going to come back next season. Mm. Yep. Okay, which we don't want. 49216216, and thank you for your question and good luck with your little Maltese cross <coughs> Shih Tzu. Now we've got Melissa from Madawi. You've got a question about your 17-year-old cockatiel. I do. Um, we've got a bit of feedback there. Melissa, are you in the car or...? 
Yes, I am. Okay, well, if we can get you into a relatively quiet spot, what's your question quickly for David? Just uh, his claws on his feet are quite long and I had concerns about whether to trim them or not. Um, That's a really good question because oftentimes with these older birds, um, you know, they can get, whether it's a combination of uh, the cage not being set up properly or diet, and in some cases disease, they do get some claw deformities and you might see it as overgrown or twisted claws. A lot of people will relate to this for different birds, not just cockatiels. Um, Generally, the rule is not to trim them but there are exceptions to that. And the first thing I would say is that in the cage, what I like to do is set them up with plenty of natural timbers of different sizes. So rather than just a piece of dowel, and some people say, well, if you put sandpaper on the dowel, mm, that's kind of like asking you to put sandpaper in your shoe if you've got a blister. You know, you really wouldn't do it. So I like um, getting natural timbers that have got different diameters. Now, you can actually buy these things from pet shops because, um, you know, they're treated so there's no um, insect contaminants coming in. And I guess that's probably worth considering as well versus just walking out to the garden and grabbing, you know, a branch off the ground or whatever. But these birds, they're Australian natives, so their normal habit is to obviously flocks and to fly around and and land in our trees. So let's give them something like that. Make sure there's plenty of foliage in there. Um, Again, it's such a big topic to discuss diet. And when I worked in a practice where we saw lots of birds, we would schedule 45 minutes to talk about this kind of stuff. So the first thing I would say is make sure that your perches that we're standing on have this varying diameter and varying texture so that you're exercising the feet and keeping those claws down naturally if there is another reason for overgrown claws, disease, etc., then we might consider trimming them as a part of our treatment. But generally the rule is we don't trim them. And, of course, the risk is that you can damage them and they bleed. And mm. little birds don't... <sighs> that they, would hurt well, a lot. Yeah, and they don't have a lot of blood. Oh. So we don't want to run that risk too much. So I would tend to say not, but maybe you could change something in the cage. I think that would be the best way to go. 49216216, taking your calls this morning on Pet Chat. And we've got Peter on the line. You've got a question about your American Blue Staffy. Yes, I do. Fire what's, away. What's been going on, Peter? Oh, oh well, mate, I've, I've got an American Blue Staffy, and she's about uh, three and a half, four years old. And... She tends to lose her hair when you pat her. Now, she doesn't have the manes or anything, so I was just wondering if it could be just her diet. So has she just got, um, has she got any bald patches or anything? No, none no, at all. Just generally, she's losing a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how, how regularly would you bath her or brush her? Oh, not that often. I might do it, say, once a month. Yeah. I mean, generally with short-coated dogs, we think, you know, oh, their coat looks after themselves, they look slick all the time, but yeah. they they will actually have some of this hair that's, as it dies and comes away, it'll still stay there because it's trapped, and then when you come and brush it, it could come away. So I wouldn't really think that it'd be disease-related. It might just be, let's get into a pattern of either regular brushing. The bathing once a month might be fine. That's, you know, I wouldn't say that's... Um, good or bad, but uh, yeah. certainly a more regular rub down or a brush, and 
Yeah, the, the other thing about this, and Cheryl, you could jump in here, is it's not just the keeping the coat good, but it's massage as well, isn't it? One of those rubber curry combs are excellent for That's that. That's it. Yep, yeah, because that will actually yeah, help. I've got a little brush that's got the wire knobs on the end and then it's padded. Yeah, you, pr- you probably up. don't need that. No, that's for I a longer head dog. No, I would be using that wire one. I'd actually be using a rubber curry comb because that's actually going to be a lot softer on the skin and massage it. But the other thing is, often when we have our dogs living inside, they actually shed more hair than they do um, if they're living outside because they're more climate controlled. So, is your dog living inside? No. No. no okay. Not. Okay. No. Well, just try that rubber curry comb I've, a, a I've couple got of times. One of those. I've got one of those rubber bits that's got the big nodules on one side and the small ones on the, on the other side. Yeah, that would be excellent. Yeah, yeah just try one of them, you reckon? Yep, I yep. reckon the other thing about this activity is that if you're doing it, say, once a day, every second day, it's a really good bonding moment. Yep. It's yep. Mas- massaging. Yep. He has a tendency to lick a lot too, though. That's <laughs> my first dog as a, as a full bred. Yep. And I find that she gets uh, a little bit of anxiety problems. Yeah, well, that that certainly can show up with this kind of um, licking behaviour. Um, as far as the hair loss is concerned, if there's no patches of hair loss totally, there's no inflammation, oftentimes a vet visit, can they can look at the hairs and see where they're broken, and that will tell us whether it's over-grooming. And a lot of dogs can over-groom due to anxiety. So you certainly may need to consider that as part of the problem. But as far as just hair coming away, I think a regular um, wipe down, brush down would really help her. And, you know, at at some stage we might need to look into the anxiety problems as well. I believe we've got Jennifer from Patterson on the line. Have you got a bird that's being a bit of a bugger? Yes, I have. (laughs) Tell us about it. Uh, um, He's 20 years old, but um, when he was born... Mum and Dad chucked him out, you know, pushed him out of the nest, and my girlfriend um, hand-raised him, but then she ended up going into a, a semi-retired house or what, a unit. Mm-hmm. So we ended up taking him on, and we've had him for three years. Now he's attacking us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. And we haven't changed his diet. So how often do you have him out and handle him and that sort of my thing? Husband and I, well, my husband gets him out every morning, three, four times a day. Mm-hmm. He's in the cage. He's outside. You know, he's got a cage inside and a cage outside. Do you have any other birds? No, only, um, you know, the ring, uh, other birds outside. Yeah, right. Wild birds, you mean? Yep. Okay. Um, and... This uh, problem with the biting has only been just recently? Yes. This is the first or second year he's actually done it. I actually, We actually thought it was the breeding season. Yes. But I like to know how long the breeding season lasts for. <laughs> 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 so when you say the second year, he's been doing it continuously or just only, seasonally? Only in the breeding season. Right. Yeah, well, there you, yeah. I think you just picked it. That's all. The behaviour is, the question is, how do you stop it? Yes. Well, I mean, the reason, I don't want to sound flippant there, but the reason I'm saying it in that way is that if we understand why... um, Jennifer, can you turn down your radio, please? I'm in the bedroom. Oh, okay. Well, we're 
in a hall of hall of echoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a hand free phone too. That's all right. Um, so, if we understand why these things are happening, then we can address you know what that is. Now, if it's a breeding thing, the bird's going to behave as if um, either we're interacting with another mate or yep. with a competitor. Yep. And um, so well, I know I know he's doing silly things with his little cups that are in the cage, <laughs> right. and we've also got a little rope thing in there. Yeah, that you know I've been told get that, and we did. Um, when I, I when I was saying before about working with um, in a practice where we saw a lot of birds again, this was a, a big problem that we saw a lot, and we used to actually train birds how to behave and how to be handled. Um, yep. It takes a lot of work. Look, it's exactly like doing work with a dog. You have to go through all the steps and we have to use reward and punishment and punishment is we'll ignore him yep. and turn away from him. Yep. <clears throat> so um, oftentimes when you get them out at this time of the year, particularly if they drop their back end and start rubbing on your hand, they're getting a bit frisky, yep. um, then you know, the biting might be, well, I want you to stand, you know, he wants you to stand still while he carries on. Yep. And as soon as you go to move, he goes to bite you. So No, it's only mainly when you get him out, put your hand in his cage. Right. Or you go near the cage and he's coming running at you. He's, he's, having, he's, he's just, a, he's he's just really a good time with the yeah, rope. He's just really time. ramped up, I think. Mm. Yep. Um, I'm not, there are probably things you can do there, but it's going to be a bit more complicated. There's a couple of resources you can look into. Most of the time you'll be able to be directed on that by um, your veterinarian or you could post a question to 2NUR uh, Facebook and I'm happy to or jump on. Or the webpage, 2NURFM.com. And I'm happy to jump on there and post some uh, resources for you to help you out with that problem. But so it's, it's not, a training thing, I think. It's like with your husband. Sometimes you've got oh, to give him okay, a okay, smack okay, around okay. the snout. Let's you know, not go there. A bit In away. breeding season. <laughs> Uh, We've got Carol on the line. Thank you for waiting, Carol. Now, a question about your 10-year-old border collie. Is that correct? Um, Yes. Occasionally, he does something which I think is called a reverse sneeze, is it? When he does snorts in instead of Mm. breathing out. Um, Very good that you picked it because a lot of people come in and say, oh, they're dying, he's choking and so on. And then it stops and they look fine. Um, And then once we work it out, say, oh, it's reverse sneezing. Now, uh, it looks very dramatic. So for people who aren't quite sure what we're talking about, it's when dogs are, literally the name is true. It's like this really fast intake of air through their nose with their mouth shut. And they kind of sound and look like they're choking. And it'll go on for, you know, they might do it once, they might do it for five minutes. And usually it stops. So... Is this a recent problem for your dog? No, he only does it occasionally, but he's done it over the years. He looks a little bit worried when he does it. I don't know whether I should be trying to stop him or Um, just let it go. Well, the first thing is, a lot of dogs can do it just because it seems to be, they kind of like the uh, feeling of doing it, the sensation. Um, How they actually start doing it in the first place usually varies, but there are some dogs that will start doing it later in life. And it's actually associated with pharyngeal disease. So back in the, back behind the tonsils in front of the larynx, the voice box, they can get some inflammation there. There's a, a parasite they can get, a mite, 
that can okay. crawl back there and cause some problems. So it's not always just a behavioural problem. Sometimes there's a medical cause. I've seen dogs that have had um, uh, inner ear infections that are coming down the eustachian tube. I've seen dogs that have had tumours in the back of their throat. Um, now they normally they have other signs as well, but um, a lot of most dogs it's just going to be innocuous and they do it and it stops and you don't worry. But if it's debilitating or it's a problem, there's a really quick way you can fix it. All you have to do is blow air onto his face. So you, yeah. you just walk up and give him a, a quick puff oh. of air. Just While they're in the middle of their yeah, reverse just, sneezing fit. Just be careful they don't snap at you, but usually they don't. Yeah. They, usually they're so kind of like, oh, what'd you do? And when they do that, what, what happens is they swallow and it resets, okay. it, it resets um, the anatomy in the back of their throat. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I learned, um, I learned it off a paediatrician. With the thing I heard was you can put your with a baby. finger on the back yeah. of their tongue. No, don't do that. <laughs> you no, might get bitten. You'll get bitten. No, just <laughs> you're actually more likely to get bitten doing that than you are puffing air on their face. Some okay. people say if you rub their throat underneath, but mm -hmm. I, I find um, that has about a 50-50 chance whether it works and a puff of air has pretty much a 100% success rate. Oh, wonderful. Should it puff their nostrils or like on their That's round... Like their eyes, the top of their face. No, on their nose. Mm. Okay. There it go. just makes them swallow. Oh, I want Gizmo mm. to do it now so oh, I can go up and, gosh. you know, I'll feel like I'm, vet. I'm a vet. Trouble in the Farley household. <laughs> 49216216. Don't do it to your husband. Oh, for, bummer. You know. So it doesn't work, doesn't work <laughs> on them. We're taking your calls. Lovely to hear from you. And there is a free line now. We're going to go to Sue, though, from Lampton. I think everyone's indoors today, David. We're getting lots of fabulous know, calls. That's great. Sue, how can we help you? You've, you've oh, got a dog hi. doing some business in the wrong spot. Yes. Um, hi, David. How are you? Sue. It's my friend Sue. Oh. Sue Quinn. How are you? <gasps> oh, thanks, I David. can tell your voice. Oh. <laughs> and it's Sue from Lampton. <laughs> Listen, um, David, um, our little pooch, who's 17 and a half, mm -hmm. um, he's got, you know, some the concerns with his back legs and, and all that with some arthritis and so forth. And, um, and so he likes doing his business on the, on the veranda. And um, so I was wondering, is there anything that I can kind of help to potty train him um, with, so oh. to speak? To re you know retrain I mean? him. Yeah, retrain mm. him. Or even to do it on a spot on the veranda because he has trouble getting down a couple of steps onto the lawn and now he really likes doing it there. Well, it's just easier, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> it is. So we're and, sick of cleaning it up. <laughs> well, you could get Phil to build a ramp down. <laughs> That'd help. Or a slippery dip. A slippery dip, a slippery yes. Dip. You just have trouble coming back up. Can you put... Kitty yeah, litter well, on there. No, actually, you can. I have heard people make up a litter tray for dogs. Yeah. But yeah. They, they need to – you can actually buy um, – The like training pads. Training oh, pads. Yes, you yes. can buy little I've sand pits, things like that. Um, the biggest thing here, I think, is what you set up at the beginning, Sue, is that um, probably arthritis yeah. is an issue. And this is a problem for a lot of people with their pets as they get older. Mm -hmm. Um, they just have trouble getting up, moving around, and toileting is mm. a very important quality of life issue. Yeah. So we always want to make sure we're using appropriate um, therapy for the arthritis, and that can be, um, you know, medication, obviously, massage, 
um, heat therapy. Uh, there's a whole range of different things. Yeah, um, okay. Joint protection, uh, dietary supplements, things like that. So mm. you've really got to hit this on a number of different fronts. It's not, I don't think it's really a retraining issue, mm. as mm. in um, that uh, you've got to remind him where to go. It's really just mm. a mo- mobility and, um, mm. you know, pr- trying to improve the mobility side. But, um, you know, one of the training pads or a wee pad is probably a good idea. Yeah, and you can buy them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get them at uh, most pet stores and vets and, um, uh, you know, you might need to lay out a few so that he kind of has a bigger target. Yeah. And then as he gets used to going on the mat and not off to the side, then you can shrink it down so that he ends up maybe with one so you're not wasting three or four at a time. Cool, okay. It might be easier than um, Phil making a slippery dip or a ramp. Oh, give him something to do. <laughs> yeah, You've got to give him something to do. Occupied. Keep him busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for your call, thanks, Sue. Take thanks, care, Sue. Karen. Judy, you've got a question about um, a kookaburra for David. I certainly, I certainly do. Uh, for two years now, in the mating season, we have... I'm sure it's the same kookaburra because it's got the same grey chest. He mm. strikes the window with such force that you'd almost expect the the glass to break. Wow. So last year this happened and again this year. So I read somewhere that you put newspaper on the windows, which I did. It did not deter him because they're glass sliding doors to our bedroom. Mm. And it just keeps striking. When it didn't look at the glass, then it looked at the gauze door and it would just fly straight at the gauze door and hang on it and then fly off. But this would go on from 5 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night. This is and fa- he'd, fascinating. He'd mm. yeah. Hit the window and then screech and fly off. Oh. And, and this would... I've gone out, I've spoken to him, I've said to him, don't be a silly bird, you're going to do damage. And even last year we had a pool of blood and he damaged his beak. So what am I going to do? I'm at a loss. It's it's a the reason the other reason I said it's fascinating is that actually the other day I was up at a friend's house at Katara and he's just built he's just built a new house. And um, and he said, come and look at this. And he showed me these gauze doors. And he's been in the house three weeks. Mm. And the doors have just looked like... I said, was this a hailstorm? And he goes, no, kookaburras. So it's, well, it's we, happening we in Katara. Yeah. Stephen King we type have, of thing. We um, have um, the crim safe on the, on the doors. Yes. So he's not doing any damage to that. Unfortunately, we've got toughened glass on the windows. But... You know, he, he can he mm. can land on the railing and then take a flying attack at the windows, you know, and this goes on with, oh, ad infinitum. Mm. It is unbelievable, truly, and it'll be from 5 o'clock in the morning, so you just about fly out of bed with shock. Oh, dear, yeah, and obviously quite scary. distressing as yeah. well. Try getting some tinsel. You could put your Christmas decorations That's, up earlier, yes. and if you put some tinsel, maybe add some um, old CDs to them. Lots of things that are just going to give some reflection there that just help him to um, realise there's something there. The other thing... Uh, Anthony did at his place was the same. He put tinsels, but also balloons. But he said the 
bird just burst the balloons. Oh. Did it that at least scare the bird enough to fly but, away? Well, a little bit, but he's, yeah, I think the um, reflective, uh, like the old CDs, is a good idea. And, yep. Well, you can you know buy them for a stack of them for five bucks, I guess. Um, anything to try and block them, but also to distract them with the because the CDs spin. Yeah. They'll be flickering. Yeah. And I think that's that a light. that's a good idea and, and you know, not only Judy, I better pass on that advice to Anthony. Mm. As well. What if you play Christmas carols really loudly? I know they like I know, Cosby, be they so try much and better. do that somewhere in Sydney to keep loiterers away. Maybe that might work for the kookaburras as well. Not so good for the neighbours. Four nine two one six two one six taking your calls today for pet chat and having a quick look at the weather update thanks to our sponsor Snap Freeze Air Conditioning, your Dakin specialists. What you see right now is pretty much what you're gonna get for the rest of the afternoon into the evening and uh for, for the next few days at least showers on and off uh, we're going to hit early 20s if that for the next couple of days right now it's still sitting around 15 degrees uh, here in Lambton and having a look right now going back to our calls I believe we've got Diane on the line uh, you've got a question about your Shih Tzu hello Diane are you there hi yes um, look I've got a five-year-old Shih Tzu who's been diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome Mm-hmm. She's on long-term prednisone, which I'm not, you know, I prefer to sit she not be on long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give her slippery elm and she's on the ID low-fat diet. But she still has episodes of um, bringing up bile, very, very yellow bile. I'm mm. just wondering if there's anything I can give her for that, for the gastric reflux. So um, inflammatory bowel disease, for those who don't know is uh, kind of explained in the title we often shorten it to IBD and um, we might have heard of similar condition in people and it's pretty much the same basically there's a uh, the immune system in the gut has been exposed to a foreign protein which is pretty straightforward considering everything you eat is a foreign protein Um, but for whatever reason the immune system has been dysregulated and it's not being you know, controlled, and so you get this out-of-control response. And the inflammation means that the the wall of the bowel now fills up with uh, inflammatory cells. So there's all different types, neutrophils, lymphocytes, plasmacytes, different types of white blood cells causing dysfunction and, um, you know, poor poor gastric and digestion and things like that. So vomiting is a sign the reflux is a sign. In some dogs, you get diarrhea. Was that was diarrhea a part of it to start with? Yeah, it all? was. She was throwing up all the time, and it, she had the diarrhea. But that's all settled down pretty much. Yeah. But it's just this bile every now and then, and it's usually very early in the morning, and mm. it's very yellow. So, <clears throat> the yellow is bile. That's coming down the bile duct, entering into the duodenum, and then it's coming back up the duodenum into the stomach and then you're getting the reflux it may be that you need some tweaking with the medication um i would certainly also be worried about every time there's reflux there's acid that's coming up the esophagus yeah that's what concerns me yeah and that can that's going to cause damage to the esophagus and the problem there is that apart from the fact that it's uncomfortable is that um excuse me is that uh you run the risk of the inflammation in the esophagus becoming more serious, so we get an esophagitis, and then that can actually lead to what's called an esophageal stricture, and they're nasty. Mm. 
So basically the esophagus gets scar tissue. Yeah. And that actually means that it doesn't dilate, and that's not good. So um, it is something you want to get on top of. Now, there are other medications that may be necessary. It really depends on the nature of the disease mm -hmm. and your dog as far as their overall condition because there are different types of immunosuppressants or um, medication that reduces the damage um, such as the esophagitis over time so that you don't get the risk of an stricture developing. The problem with those medications is that they do increase the risk of an infection uh. in the stomach. And um, so you've really got to weigh these things up. Um, dietary therapy, okay, you're on a particular diet there, that's correct. And prednisolone is often the hallmark of our long-term treatment. But there are some other treatments as well. Um, Sacrolfate's one. There's a few others um, that we use, like sometimes Zantac or um, we uh, use those... Um, antacids medication things like yeah. that and yeah. um, so some of those are helpful but again they they do have side effects yeah so best to tackle that one talking with your vet about which medication because it's not just oh we'll try this you really got to work out which one's going to be the best for your dog all right thanks very much diane now we did have sue phone in a little earlier on from lampton now her dog was struggling with arthritis mm. martin phoned in and uh left a message he said that he gives his dog turmeric which has helped have you heard of that david yes there's uh another three-hour show because oh, really? uh, <laughs> I give all Gizmo, these topics are huge. I give Gizmo injections now. What of turmeric? For that? No, for his arthritis. Oh, I don't I know what say, it is, yeah, but no, um, that's cartrophin. Yes. Um, interestingly, cartrophin is a drug um, which helps to replace the cartilage lining in joints, and it's derived from uh, the bark of a particular tree, which name escapes me at the moment. Um, oh. Turmeric, I. I was reading some stuff about that last week. It's a huge subject. Look, it's a bit of a fad medication at the moment. So you really got to get your facts straight. And um, I'm happy to come back and revisit it. Um, I was reading a really good article about it the other day. Okay. Well, back to, uh, obviously that's one that's a big topic and we may cover that. But with the injections, my vet told me it was so good that some of them are injecting themselves with it around the office. <laughs> I like to think he was joking, but um, um, I thought it was a probably joking. Drug. But no, <laughs> one of the the um, the it's really really good for dogs. It has been trialed in people very early on, like we're talking twenty thirty years ago. But there were problems with bleeding disorders in ah, people. Okay. So it's not not a you know we see these things and we go oh it's good for people it should be good for dogs or it's good for dogs should be good for people. Look, if it wasn't news to anybody before dogs and people are quite different <laughs> don't tell me that gizmo is a person mm. i'm sure of it uh look fair enough now we're just about out of time uh cheryl shaw i'm sorry we didn't end up getting to our uh topic today we might have to try for next week that would be wonderful because of course we are going to speak to dr trish santos smith and talk about camps that our kitties can go on if they're interested in becoming vets that's right they could be sitting alongside david Oh. Well, alongside you, Cheryl. God oh, help them. That's right. <laughs>
<laughs> and David, of course, we'll chat next time as well. We're going to Absolutely. look at different cancers in dogs. So That's right. we might revisit that. Now, quickly, before we go, uh, our dog of the week, we want to introduce to you Peppy. He's a seven-month-old Kelpie male. He was found by the rangers wandering around the streets and was then saved from the pound by Dog Rescue Newcastle. So go check him out. A very social dog. He loves to play with other dogs that he's met. He's also met a rabbit and didn't react at all, have a little sniff and walk away. So, look, that's really good. Great with kids. Um, obviously, he's going to love his daily walks and runs, but very well behaved. If you want to see a little video of him, please do so. You can head to 2NURFM.com. And if you didn't get a chance to ask your question today, we do have a place there where you can go. Just uh, head to Pet Chat and let us know your questions, and we'll make sure we get to them mm. next week. Absolutely. We're out of time. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabret, thank you both so much for coming in. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks to our listeners for all your calls as well. We've loved it. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>